Bickley and Murata mornings from 6 to 10. Bickley and Murata. It's the greatest show on earth. Bickley and Murata. Good morning and welcome. Sportsman, sports. Vince Morata. It's a power-packed morning zoo. Are you kidding me? Bickley and Morata. Spectacular. Bickley and Morata. I love this show. This is the greatest show in the history of radio. It's the greatest radio show ever. Bickley and Morata. I hate everything about this show. This is the worst show in the world. Good morning, everybody. Happy Tuesday to all you Valley sports fans. We are back. We are rolling hot. I am Dan Bickley. That's Vince Murata. That is Jarrett. I failed to eat Bratwurst Carlin. <laughs> and that is Sarah the Ruthless. <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm very happy to be here because I'm very happy to be out of my car. I walked into my car this morning and it is rancid inside my car. I know. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, it, okay. I'm, I'm going to fess up to this. Now, Saturday after I got done performing with my band, I got an Italian beef sandwich with, oh. a, with, a, lot of, with a lot of jardinier on it. You know, that uh, that uh, Oktoberfest staple, the Italian <laughs> beef sandwich. <laughs> right. And so I was trying to eat that while driving and I did not do very well at that and I think something there's something oh, somewhere like, yes. so there's there is just a stank in my car right so now is this is why you sit and park and eat like we hear you talk about <laughs> we, every day yes we know you like love to eat in the car <laughs> dude it's not a lie sit under it's the canopy so people see right. <laughs> 100% authenticity That's from Dan what you get from me. <laughs> so and it was a tricky ass car. A trip in from Fountain Hills with the windows open this morning. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Hey, the weather's beautiful, so. Yeah, you know we, we will. You know we will. So I'm very happy to be here. Jared, you didn't you didn't answer one question about your bratwurst uh, yes. contest experience. Absolutely. Yes. Did they have ketchup? They did. Oh. They had ketchup and mustard and the first thing I did when I sat down, is I traded my mustard for the guy next to me ketchup, so I had two ketchups. Wow. And he had two mustards. Wow. And that, now, that you would be the guy doing them? the bit? Yeah, it was, the it was so annoying. It was so annoying. Oh, <laughs> it was it's so, like, I do the bits around I, here. I will, I will admit, I will admit that went through my mind to do a bit. Vinny, well, okay. The same thing. Yeah, Vinny but, and I, we, you see that all the time at Media Day at the Super Bowl. People starring mm-hmm. in their own little vignettes. You get dressed their own up. Little, yeah, and it's really disgusting. I know what you're talking about. I've seen, we've seen it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, Asking Gronk to marry them. Yeah. And <laughs> right. Just stupid nonsense. stuff. Right? All right. Inez signs in those pants. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get started. Okay. Don't get started on that story. You're taking the fifth on that one. Start the show, Jarrett. The Splash. Splash. The stories making waves in the sports world. The Splash. Animal. Animal coming. Animal coming. The Splash. Brought to you by Presidential Pools, Arizona's number one pool builder. See why at presidentialpools.com. Cardinals have their day off today. Tomorrow they'll get back out on the practice field to start getting ready for their first of two games against the Seattle Seahawks this season. First one coming up Sunday in Seattle. The team did bring back tight end Max Williams to the practice squad yesterday. Williams, an eight-year veteran, was waived last week before the Philly game. He played in the first four games of the year, did not register any statistics.
and 54 offensive snaps. To make room on the practice squad, the team released wide receiver C.J. Board. There was also kind of a, a lookout going on yesterday to see if the Cardinals brought in any kickers for workouts. That apparently did not happen. Yeah, That remains a possibility today. Yeah, that's kind of frightening because the, the kicker they have is very clearly broken, and now you got to go kick outdoors. No, my kicker. He's broken. <laughs> yeah, that's a little frightening, to be honest with you. Yeah, uh, you, you, you would have thought they'd change that out just for Mojo sake because if because if this guy does that again in a high leverage situation how are they going to account for that well we just I, I think there's uncertainty because we don't know what Matt Prater's status is for Sunday just yet yeah but maybe the Cardinals should cover their bases that didn't happen last week yeah that yeah. might be a good idea uh, Cardinals will also not have the services of wide receiver Antoine Wesley at all this year Cliff Kingsbury announced on Monday Wesley suffered a hip injury in training camp was on the verge of a return but suffered a setback in practice last week Wesley emerged late last season as a threat 19 catches 208 yards three touchdowns including two scores in the Cardinals week 17 win over the Dallas Cowboys. So what I said last week, Pick, will un- unfortunately come true. Mm-hmm. We'll never see this receiving core as a whole unit. Right. Yeah, that is that is true. And and even though I don't think um, Antoine Wesley should be that big of a loss, especially with the impending return of DeAndre Hopkins, you, you did bring up a valid point yesterday or a couple days ago when you, when you mentioned that he's the only wide receiver with any size right now. And, well, and AJ matters. Green is there. Well, but, but, but yeah, I'm, I'm talking about competent wide receiver. Oh, <laughs> Yikes! Okay, <laughs> I'll back that up. He made he made a nice catch on the sideline on Sunday. He made, I, I don't need I don't need to hate on him today. And I think had a big third down reception too. Not huge numbers. My prediction on AJ Green was totally off. I know. Uh, another weird one on Monday Night Football last night. Kansas City Chiefs came back from a seventeen nothing deficit to beat the Raiders thirty to twenty nine. Patrick Mahomes hooked up with Travis Kelsey on four touchdowns. Touchdown passes. Despite Kelsey having only 25 receiving yards, uh, the fourth gave the Chiefs a 30, uh, 23 lead with 7.25 to go. Raiders would score on a 48 yard touchdown pass from Derek Carr to Devontae Adams, but couldn't convert on his two point conversion. They went for the lead as opposed to the tie. They'd get one more chance. Carr's fourth down pass to Adams incomplete, mostly because his own teammate, Hunter Renfro, ran into him. Chiefs moved to 4 and 1. Raiders fall to 1 and 4. Yeah. We had the Devontae Adams pushing the guy scenario. We had another controversial roughing the passer call last night. There was a lot of weirdness in yeah, that game. Yeah, the, the roughing the passer is becoming a, a real hot button issue in the NFL today and and right now because the NFL seems perfectly fine with what is being called. And so there's and the clapback from football fans is really severe. As it should be. Yeah. It, it's very frustrating. Yeah. Well, and then and then Troy Aikman went off the rails talking about it. Yes, he and, did. And now he's in hot water. Yes. Um, if you had Matt Rule as the first head coach fired in the NFL this season on your bingo card, you can go ahead and check that one off. The uh, Panthers showed Rule the door after a 37-15 to loss to the 49ers. And with over four years remaining on his contract, Carolina went 11-27 and on Rule's watch. He very well could be a hot commodity in the college coaching search due to his success. Success at Temple and Baylor could be on the candidate list for Arizona State. Former Cardinals head coach Steve Wilkes takes over as the interim as the Panthers travel to L.A. Uh, to play the Rams on Sunday, and they'll do it with P.J. Walker as their starting quarterback as Baker Mayfield has a high ankle sprain. Yeah, and you know, I, I'm happy for Steve Wilkes, even though there's um, quite a, a narrative out there about him and the fact that he was prematurely and wrongly terminated in Arizona, something that you and I both disagree with, having lived through 
through that season. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good to see him get another chance because it, it, it's also impossible to say that he really had a chance here anyways. Yeah, but you know what the, the difference in this chance for Steve Wilkes is? The team colors are different. Yeah. He's playing with a bad yeah. quarterback. Bad quarterback. They're probably yeah. going to trade a couple of their That's stars true. before the it's deadline. It's Christian true. McCaffrey, they're saying, could they get Brian trade. Burns could get he, traded. He could go out and get Josh Rosen. Oh, he's available now. He's That's available. true. Go full 2018. <laughs> run it back, baby. Right, run it back. We'll prove them wrong yeah, after right, all. Right. Uh, Suns fell to the Nuggets last night in NBA preseason play 107-105. Suns took a 105-102 lead on Dwayne Washington Jr.'s three-pointer with 127 left. But former Sun and former everything else, Ish Smith hit two jumpers in the last 39 seconds while Washington missed three shots in the final minute, including a potential game-winning three with two seconds left. Suns are now 1-2 and two in the preseason. Devin Booker at 20, DeAndre 8, 19, and 11. Suns back home tomorrow night to wrap up their uh, preseason schedule against the Sacramento Kings at Footprint Center. Speaking of the Suns, center DeAndre Ayton sat down with AZ Central's Dwayne Rankin and elaborated on the working dynamic between he and head coach Monty Williams. In the piece, Ayton said, quote, Monty and I are talking. Come on. Y'all know the relationship between Monty and I. Everybody knows the relationship between Monty and I. Anything they want to stir up, that's on them. Let them run away with it. We're here to work and get a championship. We're not here to waste time. Uh, that's interesting, isn't yes, it? Yes, we'll get into that later yeah. on today. Uh, Shams Charania of The Athletic uh, reported yesterday that the Atlanta Hawks have emerged as a, a team interested in trading for disgruntled Suns forward Jay Crowder, who's not been with the team at all during training camp. Charania did not offer anything coming back from Atlanta to the Suns. Uh-huh. But <laughs> I got so many questions I, on this, yeah. on this Good. situation. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into it. Yeah. Uh, the MLB divisional playoffs get underway today. Quadruple header of games. Philadelphia and Atlanta get things started nice and early at 9.07 Arizona time. That'll be followed by game one of Seattle and Houston at 12.37. Cleveland against the Yankees at 4.37. And then Padres-Dodgers game one at 6.37. Uh, all of these series are best of five. You can hear Seattle, Houston, and uh, on ESPN 6.20 a.m. starting at noon. And Padres-Dodgers here on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports. Station right after Burns and Gambo at six o'clock. Uh, I'm looking forward to this. I think this is four oh, pretty yeah. compelling yeah. series. Yeah, let's go Mariners. Let's go Padres. Don't you think this should be best of seven? Yeah. Like the NBA and the NHL do best of seven the entire playoffs. Yeah, but yeah. still that, that baseball if they play so many games they do best of three then best of five then before they get to the best of seven. But I'm, everyone complains how long the NBA postseason is. Yeah, yeah right. I'm, I'm fine with the way the baseball. Yeah, is no, what I, do I'm, you want? Yeah, <laughs> shut up, Jared. Shut up, Garrett. Stop complaining, yeah. Ferret. Eat your bratwurst, Garrett. See, this is what happens. Start ha- rubbing your eyes, Jared. <laughs> this is why people introduced me wrong at Bratwurst Eating Contest because <laughs> you, right? you guys call me every name in the book. Uh, Sorry, the, it's Ferret. It's yes. Ferret. The, the NHL <laughs> season also gets underway tonight with two games. Tampa Bay Lightning visiting the Rangers and the Vegas Golden Knights taking on the LA Kings. Can you believe that? The NHL's what? kicking. Yeah. yeah. Right. The NHL begins tonight, man. Coyotes. Uh, Storylines everywhere. Okay. Will Alex Ovechkin become the number two goal scorer? Will the Maple Leafs finally win a Stanley Cup? When will the Coyotes get to play a home game? Right. When, 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 when is their first home game? Home game? Uh, they have a six-game Eastern road trip oh, to begin good. the season, yeah, starting in go. Pittsburgh on Thursday. There you go. There is your splash for October 11th. Coming up next, man, it's been two days since the Cardinals fell short in their quest to upset the Eagles, and lots of people still talking about what went down at the end Ooh. of that game, including us. We'll do it next. Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.
Bickley and Murata. Dan Bickley and Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings. 98.7 FM. Arizona's Sports Station. Second and five, and they call a short little completion to Hollywood Brown. He catches it with 47 seconds left. They clock it just about in field goal range with 37. If it's going to take you 10 seconds to spike the ball, call a daggone play. Then on second and 10, you call quarterback draw. You call quarterback draw knowing, hey, what's the call if we get eight yards? Like, why are we going, oh, I don't know. And then there's 22 seconds on the clock. Listen, if there's 22 seconds on the clock and it's third and one, just call a pass play. What did I say? You know, just call a pass (laughs) play. Because if it's complete, Kitty. You know what it was called? Get me five. And if it's complete. Get me five right now. We could run up. Clock the ball. Yeah, it's kick irrational. The field goal. It's it, irrational it's, not to. It's yeah. unprepared. Yeah. It's unprepared. That's Dan Orlovsky from ESPN on the uh, KJM Morning Show on ESPN Radio. There's so much talk still, Bick. I, yeah. I flipped on ESPN when I woke up this morning, and they went to Ryan Clark, his biggest takeaways of the weekend, and he started with the Cardinals' clock management issues at the end of the game. Yeah, they were bad. It, 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 it was bad. There was no doubt about it. But again. It, it, <laughs> The frustrating part, and this is basically 2022 Cardinals in a nutshell, it was bad operation leading up to the last play, and a 43-yard field goal could have washed, potentially washed yeah. away the whole thing. Oh, yeah. And they couldn't even operate that. Right. And and this is this is quite interesting to me now how this this fire has kind of been lit on a national platform. Uh, if you look across, odds makers now have Cliff Kingsbury as the next guy favored to be fired in the NFL. Now, that might be very naive and ignorant given the contract extension that we assume runs through 2027. I don't think there's I mean, any I don't know if anyone's ever seen the documents. I mean, I don't know if they have to be filed the way contracts with players have to be filed. I'm guessing not. Eh, they're not part of a players' association, so I would guess yeah, not yeah. either. And so, if there was anything interesting in that, right. we know Ian Rappaport would have reported about it. <laughs> right. But I, what I'm saying is it, it would – I think that Michael Bidwill, if he was looking for protection from his quarterback the way he was with the study clause, you would think there might be something in Cliff's contract as mm-hmm. well, team option, something like that, buyout fee. There, there might be. So it it may or may not be – um, plausible to think that that he could actually lose his job based on what goes down this season. Mm-hmm. But regardless of that, that dynamic alone is making the situation worse. The idea that they committed this many years to a guy who can't even function and operate and get two plays in in a game-ending situation. But Kate- it's unprepared. That's what Dan Orlovsky said. You, There's a standard of an NFL head coach that he's not hitting. Yeah, I don't disagree with anything you just said. That is the narrative out there. And you know how the media gets, the national media gets, when they get their torches out, it can get real hot. But can't you? what you said about Cliff Kingsbury in that situation... Mm-hmm. Don't can't you make the exact same statement about the quarterback? Absolutely. Who had an opportunity Absolutely. to get a first down either by Absolutely. you know, committing physically to making the first down Without or by bouncing it outside and getting the first the down. The heat's uh, yeah, the heat's on him too, but you can't fire your quarterback. No, you can't. And, and so but yeah, no, I th- I think Kyler Murray is 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 being uh, roundly criticized as well for the lack of courage he showed. It was very jarring to people who see quarterbacks operate in these endgame scenarios and lay themselves out. 
people noticed Jalen Hurts was laying himself out from the first snap of that football game. Kyler Murray was in the fourth quarter. Took him four quarters to get there. For the second straight week. Yeah, and so people have noticed that. People have noticed that this team can't function when Cliff is calling scripted plays. Yeah. But when Kyler Murray is, that's when they score? So it's all in the air now, man. It, it, this is interesting to me because this is kind of this is broken through the local bubble, and this has become a thing that people are looking at, going, "What?" It has. I went back. We were both at the game on Sunday. I went back, um, and for anybody that cares, I was able to access NFL Plus. I just have to use a different browser than the one that I normally use. It's such, it's such a thing. Uh, it's a soap opera. But I went back and I watched the game, and after Kyler Murray spiked that ball, Bick, the cameras, the Fox cameras panned the sidelines, mm-hmm. and I couldn't tell what Cliff Kingsbury said, but he was pissed after uh-huh. the ball was spiked. There was a look of, like, what are you doing? Now, in the post game, everything's buttoned up, and there's mm-hmm. a message from the top that permeates throughout the team. Yeah, that was a coach call, mm-hmm. uh, this and that. We thought mm-hmm. we had the first down, blah, blah, blah. There was some palpable frustration there. Mm-hmm. And that palpable frustration leads to the critics like you just heard, Keyshawn Johnson, Dan Orlovsky, that whole Max Kellerman, that whole radio show talking about what you call quarterback draw in the middle of the field with no timeouts left, you're setting yourself up for exactly what transpired. Mm-hmm. There was nothing on the backside of that play call. No. Other than, okay, our kicker's going to come in and bail us out. Yeah, right, exactly. And so if that frustration, so was the frustration that, that because I didn't see that, uh, was that a result of Kyler Murray? Was that the result of a head coach going, Come on, man. You can't slide before the first down marker and put us in this situation. Or was that Kyler Murray not reacting to a live game situation that he was schooled to do? Mm-hmm. Well, and, and yesterday during his media availability, Cliff Kingsbury was asked by several members of the media, did you get any explanation on the spot? The spot was correct. That is the way the ball is spotted when a quarterback slides feet first. You mm-hmm. cost yourself yardage. Yeah. You do. Yes, I'm, I'm totally with you on that. So there's the idea that we thought he had a first down. That does not matter. It's not an argument. It's not an excuse. And that's on you. That's not an excuse to not have a play called or, or, or function uh, give me five route, as, as Keyshawn Johnson, as you heard him say. And, and that's the kind of stuff that, have, that has people noticing mm-hmm. because it's so um, different from the way elite teams and offenses function. Cliff Kingsbury also sat down with Wolf and Luke yesterday and expanded a little bit more on the the play, the spike of the ball on what was a third down and one. Yeah, I think just situationally, understand the situation. If you got to go, go ahead first in, in that um, situation to get it, go ahead first. Um, and then, you know, on the sideline when it's that close and you're yelling clock, 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 and you think he's got it, and all of a sudden they walk it back, you kind of pass the point of no return, and uh, we had to live with it at that point. But um, after discussing it, you know, if it was third down, I'm not sure we would have done much different at that point if we would have known that you know maybe slow clocked it and, and took in some more time if it was first down obviously you, you have a chance to take a shot but a lot can happen on that third down and the clock runs out you get tackle and bounds any of those things so it was right on the, the the border there what justin Pugh said in defense of matt amendola does hold true mm-hmm. matt amendola is the most visceral reminder of the cardinals failures because he made he missed a very makeable field goal and missed it horribly yeah it didn't come down to that play 
A lot of it came down to that that play, the Cliff Kingsbury. Go back to the first half. At the end of the first half, they have to settle for a 20-yard field goal. Again, no timeouts in the situation, mm-hmm. so they're limited on what they can call. But they had like a second down inside the five-yard line, and they threw a fade to Rondale oh, Moore. Yeah, listen. And, and the thing is, too, uh, yes, uh, uh, the, the reason why I appreciate what Justin Pugh said, even though I thought it was really over the top and, and somewhat ridiculous, it is the fact that I don't expect – that's not a shock to me that Matt Amendola missed that kick. It, it, during the broadcast, during Dave Passion, Ron Wolfley's broadcast that day, as the game got into the fourth quarter, they were saying, okay, we've got backup kickers. Is it going to come down to that? So you, you, you saw it coming a mile away. Yeah. It was Dicker the kicker. The foreshadowing. Right. Uh, the foreshadowing on the Fox broadcast was, they yes. were talking about it early in the right. game uh, on the Fox broadcast right. with Amendola. Right. But, and again, the Dustin Pugh thing, does he score points with his teammates? Absolutely. But, you know, if it was Greg Dortch, what a Dortch. What a Dortch. If he was wide open for a game-winning touchdown pass and he dropped it, the the reporters would be around his locker too. It's the story of the game. Yeah, it's one of the stories. Oh, we're going to stay on this. This is this is uh, this is quite the story because it, you start to wonder exactly. Okay, um, it, the people who were in the locker room, of which I was one of them, you saw Cliff Kingsbury sit down with Calvin Beecham. You saw him spend some time with Justin Pugh. The, the, is is there a level of frustration among the offensive linemen about the play calling, or is it the quarterback? Yeah. Or, well, yeah, we're going to be on it. We'll, we'll, be we'll on definitely it. get on it. You can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, coming out of week five in the NFL, one controversy is certainly getting more attention than the others, and that's the roughing the passer controversy. Popped up a couple of times, including in last night's Monday night game. We'll get into that and more next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings live from the Ak Chin Community Studios, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Marauder Mornings, live from the Auction Community Studios here on this Tuesday morning. Dan Bickley, Vince Murata, Sarah Cazell, Jared Carlin, taking you up until 10 o'clock. Uh, Monday Night Football last night, Chiefs beat the Raiders by one. There was so many different storylines in this game. The one that everybody is focusing on, and it's kind of like a continuation over a storyline that we got in the Atlanta-Tampa Bay game on mm-hmm. Sunday, Bick, and that is these roughing the passer calls are out of control. It started on Sunday with uh, uh, you know I, um, an Atlanta defender taking Tom Brady down. And yeah, was that Grady Jarrett? Is that his Gr- name? Gr- Shut, Shut up, up Jarrett. Jarrett. Yeah. Um, and it reminiscent of the play where Tua Tungavailoa got hurt. Mm-hmm. They call a roughing the passer. It was a it was a routine tackle. Yeah. And most people who saw it said that's just Tom Brady getting protection that's because right. he's Tom Brady and he's forty five right. years old. That's right. Tampa Bay goes on to win the game. Brady gets asked about it after the game. Uh, and here was the way that sounded in the exchange. By the way, what did you think of that play? Have you been lobbying or asking for some I don't throw the flags. I don't throw the flags. I don't throw the flags. Yeah. Last night in Monday Night Football, Chris Jones. Strip sacks Derek Carr cleanly, comes away with the football, but in the process of making the play, 
falls with, quote-unquote, his full weight on the quarterback. Uh So Carl Cheffers comes out, nullifies the turnover, Mm -hmm. calls the roughing the passer, and then in both cases, Jerome Boger on Sunday, Carl Cheffers last night, they come out and they... They justify the call. Yeah, how about that? That's what's really weird. And and what's come out of the league office after last night's call on Chris Jones also seems to support what was called on the field, which leads anybody to believe that this has sort of become policy. There were two instances last night when a quarterback was sacked via bear hug. Where it, it were that's just the way that's how yep. the play ended, and mm-hmm. I thought, is this where football is going? Is it going to become now basically bear hug the quarterback, and that's all you can do once you get to Vic, him? I had the same exact thought. Football is about tackling to the ground. You don't mm-hmm. see it in practice anymore, but you see it on game days, and we've talked about what could damage football's overall popularity is this mm-hmm. continued protection of quarterbacks and two very very real and frustrating examples of that this weekend but tackling to the ground for quarterbacks is going to go bye-bye i i, I honestly I think, right. I honestly yeah. think so and and so you ask yourself what is the nfl doing well the nfl is trying to protect their ratings and what they want is money from advertising and and they need to they want to continue to monetize these broadcasts to the to the nth degree and you can't do that if you've got backup quarterbacks going against each other in November and December. And so this is what it is. It's I think you're exactly right. I think we're going to get to the point eventually where quarterbacks cannot be tackled. And it's it it's it's really hitting people hard. People don't want this. Well, I but think they also don't want backup no, quarterbacks playing no, in no, December. Can you? I mean, I, I listen. I'm not going to argue with quarterbacks that. are paid. The elite quarterbacks are paid at a scale that most players cannot relate to at the positions that they play, who have 100 percent physicality at their positions. So not only are they compensated better, now they're getting physical the, the protection from the physical. You want to talk about divisions oh, on football man, teams? You're not kidding. Yeah, that's a good point. And the other part of this is now during broadcast, the announcers calling the game are criticizing these calls. Here was Joe Buck. I mean, at some point, you have to be realistic with where the defensive player, what's he supposed to do? Disappear? I mean, he's there. The ball comes out. The ball's in his gut. And I don't know where he's supposed to go. Just talked about uh, at the end of yesterday's games because of the Grady Jarrett, Tom Brady hit. Um, Teddy Bridgewater was taken out of the ball game uh, early in that one because of the eye in the sky saying they thought they might have seen a little bit of a stagger. So we're in new territory now with the way these quarterbacks are going to be protected in the wake of the Tua Tonga-Vailoa situation. Here's Troy Aikman. The play again. The ball comes out right there. And the ball is possessed by Jones. He's going to the ground with Carr. His body's there. It's just where it is. too much. I mean, my hope is the competition committee looks at this in the next not exactly the best use no, of phrase no, there by Troy Aikman, but no, that, uh, that was that, and and I think he, he, he's going to apologize for that if he hasn't already. 
There's no need to feminize the, the yeah, issue. That's, you that's undermine your, your point. But yeah. This is where it comes exactly. full circle. Yeah. You know how many concussions Troy Aikman had? That's true. He had, didn't yeah. he have to retire because of concussions? And had so now he's saying, it. like, oh, they need to play like I. He had his career shortened because yeah. of. That's true. But I, that's right. They didn't protect players that's as right. much. Focusing back then. on the Brady situation uh, when Jarrett takes him down. And people said that was a reaction to Tua Tungavailoa's injury because the tackle, the actual form of the tackle and the and the look of the play was very similar. Yep. The result was not. The ironic part about it was there was no penalty called on the play where Tua Tungavailoa suffered that concussion. There was. Uh, there's m- many GMs who have have said the same thing. After the last couple of games, that generally the media and fans do the overreaction Monday. They're saying the NFL is now in, in the overreaction business. Mm-hmm. That that coming out of the Tua injury, this is where the whole thing is going. Uh, but I also think it's more than that. I don't. I, I really don't think it's player safety. I don't think they're. I, I don't think they're doing this now. And telling refs to, to legislate this way because we need to protect these poor fellers' brains. Or else I, they wouldn't have Thursday night football. They would, exactly. Right. They wouldn't have Thursday night football in that case. So what they're doing is. We can't for, have backup quarterbacks on Thursday yeah, night football. No, listen, <laughs> that, I think you hit on something else as well. The, the pay scale for quarterbacks is now through the roof. Kyler Murray's a $47.5 million quarterback, or he's going to be. So that kind of investment owners are, you might look at that differently. You might say, I, "I this is, I'm paying this guy too much money to, to to risk him being hurt." So it doesn't look like the NFL is going to be sensitive to this outcry against what's happening. And I hate to sound like way old school, get off my lawn guy, but they're trying to make a very dangerous sport safe, and you can't. It doesn't work. And, well, the audience doesn't want it. That's, you know what? That's the bottom line. I've always wanted to swim with sharks, Bick, but. It's just too dangerous. They need to make it safer for people like me to swim with sharks. I mean, it's kind of the I, same thing. I learned the most amazing fact about how to survive if you're in an ocean and a shark approaches you. Want me to share it with you right now? Yes. Do you want to hear it? No, you did not necessarily. First, the one thing you don't do is you don't swim away in a mad dash. You have to act like a predator. So you don't you don't freak out at all. And then if the shark approaches you, you touch the tip of his nose and try to push him down. He'll recognize that as predatory behavior. There's a video on TikTok of a guy doing it. I know. I, I've seen the video. His name is Stumpy. <laughs> it worked once. Well done, Jared. <laughs> it didn't work well so, done. the second time. Well oh, done, Jared. Yeah, it didn't work the second Can time. Can you imagine being that level headed? No, you're that being is attacked thing. by a shark, and you're like, "Okay, I got this." Right. I remember that TikTok video. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna act predatory, right? But uh, on on your your comparison for the swimming with sharks thing, they do make swimming with sharks as safe as possible to do. They don't just throw you with you know meat underpants in the water with the sharks. <laughs> like they, they literally. I mean, they. they, they, they you yourself, yourself, if you're if you're going to go swim with sharks or whatever, they do it in the safest way possible. So that's what they're trying to do with football. <laughs> but it's 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 incongruent. It it doesn't. You, it's a, at the heart of it a dangerous activity. Yeah. No, you're right, and that's it's, what people are drawn to. Well, yes. Yes, and. Uh, that's uh, exactly. You can't say it any better than that. That's part of the, people want the violence. They do. That's why football is so popular. Duh. 
Come check out Whiskey's Quicker with special guest Meat Underpants. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. It's a good name for a band right there. Uh, Arizona goes primetime next week as the Phoenix Suns tip off their NBA season against the Dallas Mavericks. And the Arizona Cardinals take on the New Orleans Saints for Thursday night football back-to-back nights. And we're giving you the chance to experience both in person. Text the word primetime to 620-620. Listen for your name starting next Monday for your chance to win two tickets to both games. Plus, one lucky winner, you get your choice of a Devin Booker jersey or a DeAndre Hopkins jersey. Once again, how do you enter? Text PRIMETIME to 620-620. Coming up next, the NBA season is looming. And DeAndre Ayton is making his best attempt to clear the air between uh, what the public thinks about his relationship with Monty Williams. We'll tell you what he said next. Typically in Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Typically in Murata Mornings. Good morning, Tuesday edition, Bickley and Murata mornings here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station, coming to you live from the Ak Chin Community Studios and taking you up until 10 o'clock. Suns have one more preseason game uh, tomorrow night against Sacramento. Last night, they lost to the Nuggets in preseason, and the Nuggets did not play Jokic or Jamal Murray or Aaron Gordon. It was kind of a skeleton crew for the Nuggets. The Suns were shorthanded, too, and it was actually a pretty entertaining game, uh, (laughs) even though you had all the bench players uh, on the floor at the end. Uh, DeAndre Ayton played well for the second time in three preseason games. Uh, That's not the big story. The big story is Dwayne Rankin, who does a really good job covering the Suns for AZ Central. Uh, One of the big storylines about the preseason for the Suns and it stemmed from media day and the day after media day you know DeAndre Ayton shows up kind of in a in a sour mood for media day isn't his normal ebullient self when talking uh, to reporters and then the next day interrupts a question when he's being interviewed one on one and says yeah Monty and I haven't talked we haven't talked once mm-hmm. since game 7 made it a point to make that known Monty Williams was asked about it kind of Backed it up and said, look, I haven't talked to a lot of guys since Game 7. We're, we're, we're here to do a job, and I don't think there's anything to air out. And I think Monty Williams' frustration on that subject matter has grown as time has gone on. And he says he's not going to talk about it anymore. Uh, well, DeAndre Ayton sat down with Dwayne Rankin to discuss uh, the obvious. And uh, one of the questions was, have you and Monty talked? And DeAndre Ayton said, quote, yeah, most definitely. I mean, we talk, man. At the end of the day, it's like we're trying to contribute to a win. Everything is back to normal. Nothing has changed, to be honest. I may have come to media day just bland, but I wasn't trying to give nobody no damn story or nothing. But it flipped on me. So I can't really say nothing. Just let everybody run with it. Uh, All I know is that we've been here working. We've been battling each other, beating each other up in training camp. Uh, Coach has been loving it. He went on to say that you know everything is back to normal, and we're here to win a championship. We're not here to waste time. Yeah. So, so what do you think? What do, do you believe that to be factual? I have no reason not to believe DeAndre Ayton, but I think the the first part of that quote, like the way that took off, like he didn't try to create a story, but in being truthful, he created a story. Yeah, and it took off like wildfire. It did, but again, it's like I said, he seemed to volunteer. That was not something that was pulled from him begrudgingly. He he dropped that on everybody, and everybody was like, "Whoa, what?" And to say he didn't try to become a story, the back-to-back days, his demeanor during yep. media day, yep. and then, like you said, offering that up out of nowhere in the follow-up uh, media day stuff. You're, you're clearly trying to get people's attention. Yeah, because that, that's not how yeah. he 
ever is. No. So something different will cause people right. to react. So so I, I'm glad that they're communicating now, and I'm sure it's it's probably not the same as before. And I, I think, again, it's, it's, it's tactical. Monty Williams is doing this for a reason. Monty Williams might have... Might have every reason to believe DeAndre Ayton quit on him. Because anybody who watched that Game 7, the lack of intensity from him individually was striking. But the the blame was everywhere. So Monty Williams, no matter how let down he would feel by DeAndre Ayton, Monty Williams' character is that of a servant leader. He's going to reach out. He would be the guy to forgive and forget, to move on. He's he's deeply Christian. That's part of what... you believe in, and it's part of how you act, and it's part of what he would do. So what he's doing, or what he did, was tactical, because he's done coddling DeAndre Ayton. Because now, dude, you got your money. You're getting paid more than everybody on this basketball team, except for two people. And with that, you need you need to uphold your end of the bargain. I'm done with this. And so, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm cool with that. Yeah, I, mean, I think I think Monty Williams. I think he does need to be more hardcore on a lot of different levels, and that's one of them. And and let's see what it brings out of DeAndre Ayton. There, there are still people who believe they're just counting off days till they can trade him. But again, you've got a lot of basketball games to play before then. Yeah, there, there's so, you're so right about everything you just said, and where it stands now is, you know, do do. If I had concerns about this relationship, do I feel better about them now? I do. DeAndre Ayton kind of set the record straight. I, and again, I've got no reason not to believe him. This has moved down almost off the list of concerns heading into the season. And that's not to say there aren't concerns about the Phoenix Suns. Uh, from a roster standpoint, there are questions. There are questions at the four with the Jay Crowder uncertainty. There's questions at backup point guard. Um, I... For anybody that watched the game last night, maybe you agree. I loved what I saw from Dwayne Washington Jr. until the final minute of the game when he tried mm-hmm. he tried to take over and didn't get anybody else yeah, involved. I, I, yeah, I'm not taking any conclusions one way or the other yeah. in these games. Um, which is probably the, the wise way to go. Yeah. Uh, DeAndre Ayton was also asked in that one-on-one, hey, you could have gotten more money, but you got less. Four for 133 as opposed to five and 172. His answer was max is max. That's how I look at it. Max is max. At the end of the day, yes, we play for money. We have to take care of our family. Families and we're fortunate enough to play basketball to gain that much money. But at the same time, I've got love for the game. I want to have fun when I play. I have a group of guys who I damn near grew up with. I've got a couple of best friends on the team. So it's like, where am I going to go? I only really know Devin Booker, Mikel Bridges, campaign, Cam Johnson, etc. So again, that was one of the questions that maybe, hey, people are speculating. DeAndre Ayton showed up in a bad mood because of that very thing. He had to go to restricted free agency. Right. Had to sign an offer sheet with Indiana before the Suns acted. They acted quickly, but yeah, in in terms of DeAndre Ayton's finances, that's a year less and a a year less of that max money on that contract. It's still more money than you'll ever know what to do with. Yes, I think when you you engineer this with what we know now, DeAndre Ayton was not expressing unhappiness on media day or the day after. He was expressing um, bewilderment that his head coach is not being nice to him. That's what he was expressing. Yeah. So there was not, he did not come to camp hot because he's not an Indiana Pacer. And I also think that was mixed with, hey, this is a business now. I know this. This is business like DeAndre Ayton. And it maybe just 
it turned into one direction a little bit yeah, too much. Right. And so so I think it's it's but that's good. I think that is is probably where this relationship has to be now. They're done with it. And and now that he's got that bag, he has got to live up to it. Yeah. And it's on him. And and again, if if you've getting paid that kind of money, the days of needing your teammates to to get you going that should be out the window. And that's the big thing facing DeAndre Ayton this year, is how often is he going to bring it without every people having to push him? Yeah. Because they're not going to want to push him anymore. Not when, not when he's making that kind of money. No, I agree. Um, and we'll see. I mean, we are eight days away from opening night. Next Wednesday night. Luca and the Mavericks wait, are Wait, wait, who, who are they playing on opening night? <laughs> Vinny is going to be a, you are going to be a bundle of nerves that day, my man. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, yeah, I'm right. Who are they playing? Let's ask Sarnak the Magnificent. Who are they playing? <laughs> Ho, you fat. That's right. Ho, you fat. Hey, and NBA, the best rule change of the year, the Theo Pinson rule, where reserves can't stand up now anymore. <laughs> the Theo Pinson rule. Yeah. Remember, yeah, remember the Maverick guys? The Maverick guys who yeah. stood up the whole game yep. got fined. Mark Cuban paid, or Jason Kidd paid all their fines yeah, for them? Yeah, basically. Wow. <laughs> that was one of the good rule changes. That, opening, that, that opening night is just fraught with peril. And it's it's the ultimate risk-reward opening night in the NBA. It really is. It is. It really is. Do you want to talk about overreaction? Oh. A lot of overreaction listen, coming one way or another. Yeah, Suns fans would be very happy if if yeah if they handle Luka this time around. Yep. Coming up next as we continue on this Tuesday edition, more reaction to the Cardinals' loss to the Philadelphia Eagles and all the ingredients that went into it. We'll get into that and more next. Pickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.